0: I feel conflicted. I feel conflicted. I don't want to see that. I'm conflicted. I don't need to see that. I don't want I don't need it. I don't want. I don't need to see that. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see that. I feel conflicted i do not need to see that i do not want i do not need to. i do not want i do not need to see that i do not want to see i do not want to see that. I don't want to see
1: that. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that. I can't show
0: my dick
2: on camera.
0: So we are back. This is our last podcast of season two. Oh, by the way, I'm Miss Marcy. I'm Miss Jenny. And, and welcome to the last episode of Countdown to the Comeback. Season two. Countdown. 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 We're countdown. hoping for a season three. Yeah, well. we hoping. You know, i I think it's a good conversation to have at the top because... After I'd seen episode seven, I really wanted an episode. I wanted a, sec- a third season, but after the finale, I mean, of course, I want everybody to work and I want to know what yeah. people are doing, but at the same time, it just felt so wrapped up, and we got this Hollywood ending, and it almost seems true. I don't know. That's just.
1: I <laughs> want to see what happens to Jane's comeback documentary. I want to see how Valerie and Mark tread the waters now that she's, you know, going to be an Emmy winner. What
0: that changes for her? Yeah. Like is she going to get a new show of her own? Right. And what's going to happen with Paulie G? I know. We only see him that one moment at the Emmys.
1: I know, but uh we'll get there. I just want to say without giving too much away, I thought it was perfect.
0: I agree. I thought they handled things really, really well. Yeah,
1: I got everything I wanted
0: from it. It was very satisfying. Some people might not want satisfying. Some people right. might think, though, it's too neat and Cause too Because it's packed. the
1: comeback and, yeah.
0: But for me, I I was in it. I was with them. I wanted it all. I was happy with the Hollywood ending. Me too. I always like a Hollywood ending. Right? Damn it. To a Hollywood story.
1: That's right.
0: We had some great cameos some re-cameos. I don't know what you call them when we have people coming back that we haven't seen in a while. Oh my
1: god there, there were ones I you know I was pleased to see.
0: We had a shirtless Brad Gordetsky at one point. I uh, know he looked pretty good. Yeah, my god he's in good shape. Yeah. And Billy looked very happy to see him without yes, shirt Yes absolutely. We saw Juno which we haven't seen since the first episode of season two. Yeah, and I didn't
1: know she was going to come back. I so did she
0: came back in a wonderful way. She really did. And we know that she's back from filming her robots movie. We knew she was going to be gone three or four months. Right. So it's like six months later or something, right? Right. Because all that, they've shot the series and whatever. And then we had uh, Chris McNess come back. Pronounce his name again for me. for The actor who plays Chris McNess. Kellen Lutz. Great to see him, and... Oh, he was I, awesome. He that was, so was a great. Talk about wish fulfillment. I know, right? Like, every middle-aged woman in America is like, you go, Belle! And then my beloved Jimmy Burroughs I'm so happy to see our comeback Yoda kind of show up.
1: And he was very true to form in this, very true to how, you know, who we played on the show.
0: So let's jump in to season two, episode eight. Valerie gets what she really wants. This was an hour long episode. Right. Which I didn't know. No, I didn't either, but But I I was excited.
1: I savored every second of it. Yeah. It
0: was great to have that extra. And we open Val is in her car with Jane and Mickey, and they are on their way to Juna's party, or they're actually in line for. Getting into Juna's party, right, the valet. The yeah. This is building up on, we just saw them in the elevator, that conversation with Polly, so we know that this is the the party, party. that, yeah, that Polly's not invited to. Everybody looks great. Jane is very protective of Valerie when she's not on the list. She's, like, screaming at the checking guy, like, you know, yeah, this is bullshit. He's, she's fucking nominated for an
1: Emmy. Is she being protective, or does she just want to get footage at the party? I think it's both,
0: actually. Yeah. That's what's really strange. Jane's arc this season, she has really fleshed out. She's not one dimension. She's not all good. She's not all bad. No. She's definitely got her own agenda. Even if, I think, on some level she believes she has a benevolent cause and purpose and drive. They are in the car, in the line, waiting to get in. There's paparazzi all around. And... Valerie's name isn't under her name. It's under Mark. That
1: was such a... Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh. What, what were you going to say? It was well, such before
1: a... that, when she first wasn't on the list, that was such a callback to old Valerie moments, wasn't it?
0: And yet she seemed really calm and not very yeah. anxious about it. Yeah. Only Jane was on her yeah. behalf, maybe. Maybe. And she seemed very peaceful. Well, there's a new confidence with Valerie now. It's true. And why wouldn't she be on the list? They've been coming for, like, five years or something to this party, and, um... That was a little
1: inconsistent, because when she bumped into June, it's like they hadn't seen each
0: other forever. I I was wondering if they just hadn't seen each other since they bumped into each other at the Chateau Marmont in the first episode. Like, they haven't... No,
1: no, when she... I'm talking about in the first episode. Oh, right. It was like they hadn't seen each other for years, and then, um... Now we find she's going to this party every year. So that was like a little, don't you know, a little inconsistent for me.
0: Well, Valerie did say at one point that right after Room and Board, they used to get together every week or so. And then as Juna really started to take off, it became less and less. Yeah, so, so maybe she does go to And who knows, maybe at that point they just hadn't seen each other in a while because Juna had been shooting something. If this is six months after that, then maybe... The last time they saw each other was at the party the year before, which would have been like another six months, right? Because that would have been like around a year. But who cares? I'm doing all this inconsequential math. Time math. But Juna has put Valerie's invitation under Mark's name, which Valerie says, oh, you know, she understands that men are threatened by powerful women. Which I thought was, was a really interesting take on that. Yeah. Because, like, you know, a feminist sort of said, why is it under my name, you know? I think it also kind of talks about Juna's understanding of Valerie's relationship with Mark. Yeah, absolutely. That Mark needs to feel as important as Valerie in certain circumstances. And that she also sees Valerie more as Mark's wife and not just Valerie Cherish and whatever that means. She knows the whole family dynamic. She definitely does. She's part of it in a way.
1: Yeah, I remember. I remember in the first season when she would be. She was just like a little, you know, newbie, and she would be on their couch with baby them girl. Watching. Yeah, with Francesca
0: in that chair and a half. Yeah. Yeah, they're sort of. We like... never saw Francesca. No, we didn't see Francesca this season. I wonder what happened to her. She's going to fashion school. I know, I know but I wonder what happened to the actress. Yeah, we'll have to, IMDb her. Uh so. In this conversation, Val tells us that every year she goes with Mark. Mickey's also preparing us because uh, the Emmys are the next day. Mickey mentions that there's going to be rain. Which is horrifying, you know, when you... Because everybody's going to be all dressed up. And for a hairdresser, I mean, rain has got to be... That's like like a tragedy in a million. (laughs) Nothing holds. What do you do? Umbrellas, I suppose. Lots of umbrellas. I mean, and, and hairspray. You've got to have good product. You do. And a professional like Mickey hanging I look around. I feel like a Mickey following me around. I know we've talked about that before. Just doing I... our hair, making sure we look yes. fabulous at every yes. angle. Mickey is lamenting how pale he is, and he's putting on makeup. And he's joking that the next TMZ footage of her is going to be with the mystery man at the party putting on makeup. We also are told that Juna has to move every year because she's so famous that the minute that people find out where she lives, it just becomes a circus. I love that. So she is super mega star at this point. Well,
1: but we knew that was going to happen. I
0: mean, that was the, I mean, where else could that have gone? So they do actually get in. It's this gorgeous house and there's tons of people oh, there. Yes. Right. The
1: Francesca's the star of Switched at Birth.
0: I've never seen that show.
1: It's a, um ABC Family show about these two girls who were switched at birth. Dad, you know, it's so funny. When I, I watch that show a couple of times because some of my students were on it, and I thought, that girl looks so familiar. Yeah, she's never stopped working.
0: What's the actress's name? Her
1: name is Vanessa Morano. All
0: right. So shout out to Vanessa Marano. You, your absence was noted. Vanessa. <laughs> Vanessa. It is Vanessa. Vanessa But Marano. I said Vanessa. Okay. It's okay. As Valerie and Mickey and the posse enter, Valerie is sort of narrating, as she always does for the camera, about this party happens every year, and it's always around awards time, and Mickey's talking about, well, you know, this year you're nominated, but Val's like, no, it's just this kind of a yearly reminder that this is really a small company town, and you're on the team. As behind, there's just like, it's a... Total stereotypical Hollywood party. Tons of people who probably don't know Juna at all. Right. As they're walking through, they head towards the pool area. And suddenly there are tons of people spreading out and erupting in applause. Which she and Mickey just start applauding and looking for, oh, so who's, who's there? coming? Who's yeah, coming who's in? Who's Who's exciting? And I'm sure at all of Juna's parties, like, interesting right. people are exactly. walking in. And it's award season, so people are showing up, and they're all congratulating one another. And then they realize that it's actually for her. I think Jane says it's for you. you know? Which is,
1: you know, that's just baffling. I don't think anyone ever expects, you know, applause to break out for them. Well, actually... I think Valerie more would have expected
0: it back then than now. After I'm It or like during room and board time? Um, Yeah, exactly. Shows another change in her. Yeah. And she does her little namaste bow to them all. And up in the upper balconies, there are people. I was really happy for her. She looked surprised, but also the look on her face wasn't the level of excitement that it may have been 10 years ago. I
1: think she has different priorities.
0: Yeah, maybe it was a little empty. I don't know if empty as opposed to sort of, I I think she was sort of surprised by it. Yeah, I think she definitely surprised. I mean, obviously they were surprised because they thought somebody else was coming in, right? Which would have been my reaction. Right.
1: (laughs) Um, Whenever people break into spontaneous applause for me. (laughs) Which
0: is, you know. But it's such a... It happens. It could happen. I think about, like, old Broadway stars, like, after the performance, going to the cast party and everybody claps when the star comes in, you know, sort of... That was that moment for me. Like, Margot Channing arriving after a triumphant performance of some kind. Only Valerie wasn't expecting it, and Margot, of course, would be. So, after this applause dies down, Valerie is approached by Sasha from CAA, one of the Sashas, not her agent Sasha... She's also introduced to the other Sasha who's not her agent, Sasha. And there were
1: three Sashas. Yes. Th-
0: yeah. It's just typical kind of Hollywood, the agency person jumping up and. And they all
1: sort of expect her to know them, but when she's had no interaction with them whatsoever.
0: Yeah, she thought it, she was her agent at first. Right. Her agent isn't even there. They see Juna and make their way over to her. And Juna, true to her form, is not wearing a bra. Still perky 10 years later and that actress has had a baby. She looks amazing. She's M- I mean, Yeah, I mean her Malamar. baby's baby. I
1: know. Her baby's not that old. Just good
0: genetics, I guess. Probably works very hard at it too. I mean, I guess. But those boobs are those are genetics. And perky and it was definitely cold there on set. And she's one of the few white women who can get away with that color that she was wearing that bright hot pink jumpsuit that she had. I mean, she looked stunning. It was fantastic. She looked great. But I I couldn't wear that color. Juna pulls Valerie aside and is concerned, expresses her concern about Mickey. So she hasn't seen Mickey. It sounds like she just saw him at the party. Which
1: I'm sure was, you know...
0: Jarring. Yeah. I mean, he looks horrible. Yeah, he's all sweaty and pale and probably has makeup dripping down his face. (laughs) Because he was the mystery man putting makeup on. (laughs) And... Juna confronts Val further, saying that she's afraid that Val's not really seeing things. Valerie's seemingly in denial about Mickey. She's saying, oh, he's fine, he's fine, he's got cancer, but he's getting better. Even though it certainly doesn't look like that from the outside to other people. But Valerie is definitely acting as if nothing is wrong. And in the middle of this personal conversation, Sasha, the agent, tries to interrupt them again, and Juna blows her off. I love that. Yeah. Her priority is her relationship with Val, and not talking And to you really much.
1: saw the lovely relationship between them.
0: She locked into Val very intensely. It was yeah. like nobody else was around, yeah. which I thought was really beautiful and special, and this is exactly what you want to feel from a party host when you right. connect with them, and you have that kind of a relationship with them. So yeah, so the agent and caterers, everybody's trying to sort of get a piece of Juna or butt in and Juna stays locked into her conversation, pulls Val aside over by the balcony where they might have a little more privacy and really opens up to Val about being a little upset about how things, how their characters were portrayed in Seeing Red.
1: And you would think,
0: like, with as big a star as she is, that that would not even have been on her radar. I know. On one hand, it made sense that she'd watched it because it's her friend and she's being supportive of her. But then there's this other moment where it's like, oh, yeah, there's the actressy type of Juna, too, who's like, you know, I can't talk. I've got to tell people at press junkets not to ask questions about Seeing Red. And she seems like she's hurt... And expected Valerie to have done something, even though right. she... Oh, no. Yeah, she was pushing that. What could Val have done other than not have done the role? Which Val never would have done. Which Val never would have done. And also, Val, I don't think, was concerned with how anybody else looked in Seeing Red when she first read it other than I herself. don't even think that's ever on her radar.
1: I mean, maybe a little more now. You know, we've seen her change for the better this season.
0: Do you mean, not even on her radar, the consideration of... Of people, yeah. Of how it might affect other people, yeah. Good point. Good point. So, Juno goes on to talk about how she felt that their special relationship wasn't accurately portrayed. But, again, I don't know what she expected. It was Pauly G.
1: And it was ten years ago.
0: But I think that the parallels probably in the press and blogosphere, people are saying, yeah, you know, well, this is Polly G talking about his time. And, you know, Juna must have slept her way to the top. And what's really interesting this
1: season, too, is we really learn how much not only Val hated Polly G, but everybody hated Polly G.
0: He was the addict who took everyone down around him. Yeah. And everybody's been sort of trying to survive since. And I mean, some people have thrived. Juna, uh, Chris McNass. Certain other people. Even Gigi. True. But... I wonder what ever happened to Shane. Oh, Shane. Yeah. The, the Christian. G- yes. Shane and Jesse, they're not even mentioned. I don't think no. anybody even mentions them. No. Juna notices that Mark is missing. That he's not with her. And asks, you know, where he is. Thinking maybe he's off getting a drink. And Valerie explains that they're not living together right now. That's so hard. There were some comments... In blogs, especially regarding the last episode, where people were talking about, oh, well, they're definitely separated now. But I've never heard them use those terms. I know that they're living apart, but I've never heard Valerie or Mark say, or anybody say on the show, like, no,
1: you know, Mark was in the Palisades. Yeah, I was surprised when she said that. They're
0: definitely living apart. She admits to Juna that. Although she told him about the party, he hasn't called her back. And that Juna's, was so painful. Yeah. What is he doing? Love ball? I know. And Juna is really surprised because she said that Mark has always said he would never miss one of her parties. It's his favorite event of the year, which also shows us, again, another example of he does love this stuff.
1: Right. He just doesn't love that his wife
0: does it. Well, he doesn't want her getting more... More Not more attention than him, but it's it's like it's more important to her than him. He wants to be the most important thing in her life. And, I mean, that makes sense in a marriage. I mean, you want to be that for the person. And there's sort of these conflicting feelings in me because, is it sexist because he's a man, you know, and a woman? And even through this whole episode, too, that she ends up walking away at the end. Shh, don't give it away. Oh, wow, okay. Anyways... We'll get back to that conversation at the end. So, moving on, when Juna hears about their relationship, she pulls Valerie into a hug. She says, "You know, you need him. You need
2: Mark."
1: That was that was the most telling line of the whole episode, I think.
0: You know, I kept thinking about that afterwards, and it stuck. It obviously made an impression on Valerie. Yeah, even though Valerie looked very uncomfortable in that hug, like she just well, she's she can- not a hug. And she kept saying, Doesn't you know, well, you know, we got I got to get Mickey out of here and Mickey's got to go. And and Malamar was not letting go. It was the longest hug in history. It was really long and uncomfortable for Valerie. But Malamar was in it to win it. She was not letting go. The death grip is broken by the sound of somebody jumping into the pool off of the roof and the reactions of everybody between them. Juna and Valerie react as well. Because it's a really stupid thing to do. And I'm so sure idiotic. on some level, Juna's like, holy shit, because she could be Lawsuit, liable. Yeah. right? Exactly. Right into the infinity pool.
1: That house, man, we just, that house was amazing. It was so beautiful.
0: And somebody made a comment, and your house is so big. And she's like, yeah, it's like she hasn't, it hasn't even registered with Juna where she is. I don't think it feels
1: home for her because she said she has to move every year, so.
0: And she's off m- making movies, you know, for long periods of time. But that was
1: a gorgeous home.
0: I could have lived there. Although everything was so white and crisp. I know. Those kinds of houses, I love them to kind of stay in and in a fantasy world. But they're so not what I could live in right. because I'm so not a well, I'm very messy person like that. But I guess you have a crew for that. You know, you have cleaning people for you. People to keep you organized and keep all your stuff tucked away when you're at that level. So, Splash, they are reacting and... Juna tells Val that's your nephew. He called my production company and asked to be invited to the oh, party. Tyler and Valerie has a moment of being slightly horrified and is thankful to Juna for. I mean, again, I mean that really shows the connection too. That Juna still was like, yeah. Go I couldn't ahead. believe that Tyler did that, but then again, I could. Soon after, when Valerie says to him, oh, you can't get me a bottle of water, but somehow you can figure out how to get yourself into this party. Yeah. I mean, it was... He seems so incapable of anything else. Or interested in anything else. After that, the next moment that we get is outside by the valet again. And Valerie is with Mickey. And a very wet towel-bearing Tyler, who has come out of the pool. And, of course, the crew... And totally not apologetic. No, no. He's just laughing like a, you know, like a kid at, right. at a party, at a big Hollywood party. He is not up for leaving. He's intending to stay because he Ubered there. and They just put in
1: every pop culture reference. It was great. It yeah. felt very real. Yeah.
0: And of course, Tyler Uberd. He maybe thinks that he's going to go home with some hot movie star or something, get a ride. And he could. Or, or stay with Juno. Maybe the fantasy. Oh, oh my dear. <laughs> maybe his cousin Francesca always bragged about how she was BFFs with Juno. So now it's his turn. Val is having none of Tyler staying, and he's going to go back with them. In the middle of this discussion, Two random guys spot Valerie and they're big fans of seeing Red and want to have their picture taken with her and they are quoting lines from They the reminded show. me of the
1: guys in Palm Springs, sort of. The, the The ones that came, the one that came out. Remember the episode in Palm Springs with the two mega fans?
0: Oh, you mean the gay guys yeah. that she ran into? Um, yeah. But I didn't think these guys were gay. No, but it was
1: that same, like, if you love Valerie Cherish, there's like uber fandom of her
0: see i thought of them as a whole other level of fan like i th- thought of them as i mean first of all they're the straight man like because yeah. they really looked like the agent manager lower level yeah, kind sure of guys did. you know or executives somewhere in the mix that were just on the guest list out of sheer luck because they're starstruck
2: hey look who it is
0: Scene red.
2: Oh, hi guys. <laughs> old woman's
3: pussy. Old woman's pussy. She said that to Seth Rogen. Don't write me some jokes about an old woman's pussy. Uh,
2: actually, no. My character said, "Why don't you go write a real joke about?"
3: It? Uh, it's old woman's pussy. It's the same thing.
2: Well, <laughs> you're awesome. Uh, Loved it. Thank you. Hey, can we take a photo? Sure. Yeah. All <laughs> right, let's do it. Okay, okay.
3: <laughs> All right,
0: say old woman's pussy. I'm not gonna say that. <laughs>
2: Okay. We love you. Ah, uh, well, that's the most important thing. But she's yeah.
0: very indulgent. She lets them take pictures and and how how lovely to have
1: as an actress, Olavin's pussy, be your catchphrase.
0: Oh my god!
1: I think I don't want to see that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, don't definitely... want
0: to see that. <laughs> It was it was a hilarious and horrible moment in a way. Old was woman's like, pussy! Was like, you, oh.
1: For actually I started looking around when they started I, screaming that. What
0: what are they talking to me? Who's mine? What? However, they're also saying we love you. And we hear that line a lot throughout this episode, but definitely in this scene where the different levels of the Well, there people. was so
1: much, you know, people applauding her and
0: And just the disconnect between the actors who are successful and recognizable and the, just everybody else. And they're saying that they love her, but they don't really know her. You know, the, who really loves well, her and at Well, it's a that different party. level of, of stardom, you yeah. know? New fans, though. She's getting new fans, and that's a good thing to see. And we know that this show is resonating with people outside of her normal following, They're not gay men, drag queens, or you know, or old woman's pussy. As they're finishing up taking these pictures, there is another fracas, and suddenly there's screaming girls. Fracas, fracas, fracas. There's a fracas. You say fracas. I say say fracas. You You say say. practice. I say practice. (laughs) Fracas. Frackus, Frackus. Practice, practice let's call so the fracas, the fracas that's why I don't Frackus. like say, that's why I don't like to say it fracas because it really brings out my Michigan accent. I love your Michigan accent, so the fracas is taking place as <laughs> Mr. Chris McNess pulls up to the valet in oh. a sports car the top down. Tyler's jaw drops. He's very impressed. And Mickey starts acting really weird and starstruck. And he's like what do we say? Should we say something to him? He was
1: so beautiful when he drove up. It was just, you know, like
0: oh. But Val is like, of course we're going to say something to him. And she's all calm, cool and collected. Like, why are you freaking out, Mickey? Right. But Mickey has, I mean, it was like Charlotte from The Amazing Race drove up. <laughs> like suddenly this person who was just this kid at some point in time is like unapproachable to him i thought that was that's so weird when
1: people get that way about people you know
0: and i'm sure it's so alienating yeah and lonely and i think that's what juno means when she says you need mark like you need those people who don't act that way around you around you yeah, and who, regardless of your s- success, don't stop treating you like you're you. As Mickey's wondering what to say to Chris McNess, if they should even say anything, Chris McNess recognizes Valerie and it's like, no way. And he starts freaking I out. I loved that moment so much. He just goes right for her and, of course, recognizes and remembers Mickey recognizes Jane although he refers to her as Jean and is very nice to Tyler and even says that jumping off the roof is like something he would have done when he was younger which really probably made Tyler very proud of himself and then in the background the girls are screaming trying to get pictures and again we just hear like I love you we love you and it It's just diluting the meaning of the word love. And you just see it all over. It's them trying to have these private moments with all this other stuff going on. So real, though. You
1: know, I mean, that's what happens. You felt the alienation. But they lose complete touch. They fall in love with these celebrities and they lose complete touch of what's real and what's not.
0: Chris wants Val and Mickey and everybody to stay and have drinks and, you know, hang out a little bit longer. He's not happy that they're leaving. And Jane suggests that Tyler take Mickey home and that Val can get a ride with Chris. Or Chris volunteers, I think, to take her home later. That is sort of agreed upon. Everybody leaves and Chris and Val go back into the party as the girls with their cameras are falling into the fountains and like just making asses out of themselves and giggling like teenage girls, even though they're probably in their twenties. Inside, they're standing, trying to have a conversation, and really close by, more girls are grouping and wanting to get their picture taken with him. I love the one girl who asks Valerie, you know, can I have my picture taken with him? She's like, uh, you want to ask him, but asking her permission as if Valerie's his girlfriend or something. But they don't know who Valerie is. But he
1: was being already like very even physically territorial of her. You know, he had his hand on the small of her back. And he was just like, he physically got in there right away.
0: The actor really committed that. I mean, that was like the choice. And he played that choice throughout the entire sequence of them together, which I thought was great. You could still see a little bit of... The Chris McNess from the first season. You know, you could see the young boy. Playful. Yeah. Allowing himself to be that. And not this cool movie star, but this little sort of, like you said, playful, dorky kid around Val. Going to get some privacy, he drags her into the bathroom. And he does allow the cameras in. He's very still respectful of that whole ordeal. Well, and he's an actor. Camera? But at the same time, I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. He's got a good sense of humor about it. Right. But we do know that any sustained contact with that gets on people's nerves. Like, they think, like, there's got to be at some point a breaking point. That drives me
1: crazy. Could you imagine the camera following you around all the time? Oh, my God.
0: And having no kind of personal space. Oh. It's hard enough just to be around other people all the time. Right. Even if it's one person or, like, a crowd of people... All the time. But to have people who aren't even interacting with you, but just sort of observing you, would be very how how
1: How? Um,
0: I don't know how people do that. I don't know how people do reality television. They think a lot of themselves. Uh, clearly. You have to. Or else you're not going to survive it. I don't think you can.
1: You know, if you ever, like, take a moment, like, take a half a day and think about, maybe it's sad that I thought about this, but what would it be like if a camera crew was following me watching this, and I decided I'm so really boring. (laughs) I really am. Like in my house.
0: You're returning sheets on Montana Avenue. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I'm that woman.
0: Yeah. But if there was a camera on you and you were cognizant of that, you would probably, like Valerie, try to make shit happen. True. And be entertaining, which is exhausting, which would be it's exhausting sometimes just to kind of get it up for the podcast, right? It's like you try, even though we are being ourselves and talking yeah. about things that we're passionate about uh and some things that just amuse the fuck out of us, but it's still it's hard when like I was sick or when you're tired or whatever. So to have to be on like that all the time would just be pretty bad.
1: You know what I'm a little concerned about? We have gone an entire podcast without mentioning Either Tony Danza or Peter Dinklage's penis.
2: Oh, my God.
1: Personal. Personal moments.
0: <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh. It's well, right there. You know what? I thought about Tony Danza and Tony Danza's penis when Juan came out in the last episode. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Juan's penis. Because if you you, you covered up his, his body's close to... If you covered up Tony Danza's head in that... Picture he kind of, which looks I've like. often wanted to do, frankly. Oh, <laughs> sorry, Tony Danza. He's so cute in that. He is. And young.
3: You can't show my
1: dick on camera. All right,
0: so I'm sorry, we are digressing. We are in the bathroom, and the reason that Chris has pulled Valerie into the bathroom is because he's been trying to tell her something about how important she has been to him and retell this moment, kind of connect with her about this moment that's really stayed with him when he was on room and board and it was his first job and he was only making $4,000 a week, which is nothing compared to what he makes now, which I also thought was funny that his first job, he was making four grand a week, which is right. That's not what I meant. My first
1: job was at McDonald's. Right.
3: <laughs> personal,
1: personal moments <laughs> where I had a manager named Shabir called me shabby. And one night he said, I'm trying to lock up. And uh, the keys are in my pocket. Can you get them for me? And there was a hole in his pocket.
2: Oh. I know.
1: And I got very upset. And I called my father. And my father came down. And I never worked there again. My father, like, sped up in the small station wagon and had a few words with Shabir. Called me Shabby. And I turned in my McDonald's uniform and then went back. Yeah, that's creepy. It was horrible. That is horrible. I still remember that moment.
0: But he came and rescued you. My daddy and stood up for you Dr. and taught Lewis you taught you the value of yourself. Yes, you don't have to get the Touch keys penis. <laughs> out of
1: Shabby's pocket. And... Remember that in life, Jenny, you don't have to get the keys out of Shabby's pocket. Thank God. Personal, personal moments. <laughs>
0: Uh, Back to the story that Chris is trying to retell to Valerie. She has no memory of it. And she's like, oh, we're still on this story. Which is sort of like you're looking at me right now. Like, we're still on this story.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I have no memory of it.
0: And he tells a story about stepping on a nail when they were doing some beach scene. And she told him that that's the price of stardom. And it stuck with him because she treated him like a star before he was one.
1: That was a sweet moment. It really
0: was, and she really had no
1: recollection
0: of that moment. No, she. But that to me was a re- really, it was a real moment because I see that all the time. You don't know the impact, and I'm sure as an acting coach and teacher, you get a lot of this, of you're you're not aware of what you're saying or doing that is impacting someone, right? Uh, especially in a positive way. I mean, we are so self-conscious about ourselves and, you know, worried about, did I say the right thing or the wrong thing? And sometimes we forget how influential we are in other people's lives just, you know, randomly. And this was just a moment that she obviously has no memory of and was just being herself and talking to him. And it stuck with him and he's banked it, right? It's like one of his golden moments. and We all have those. Sure we do. Like, the great things that people that impress us have said to us. Oh, yeah. As they're wrapping up this conversation in the bathroom, there's a knock at the door, and she's like, should we open that? And he's like, it's going to be that girl. And, of course, they open it, and it is. The girl just starts taking pictures of him. She was totally unconscious of anything around her, that girl. No bound. And she's just standing there staring at them. And
1: what does she think is going to happen? I always think that, you know, when you take a picture, like, he's going to go, Oh my God, I love you. You're the woman I've been looking for all my life. Right. Come home with me. Marry me. Bear my children.
0: Because that wouldn't make him gross at all. If I mean, what What if he did say that? Like, I think, like, maybe when actors first hit it big, that there's that transition time where they're still sort of, like, maybe believing their own hype. Or right. that they are, their insecurities, maybe they feel like they've got to take advantage of things because it may not last, or... Or maybe there is an idea that it's genuine that they're going to get real affection, or what. right that these people really do love them. But she's sitting there watching them like they're like she's watching TV, like they're I not know. real. It was a trippy moment, and I'm sure that happens all the time. You know that Michael Patrick King and Lisa Kudrow. I mean, they've got the inside scoop on all of this and that behavior, and so I'm sure that they have, if not experienced it themselves, witnessed it.
1: You know, it's so funny because I was home. The last few weeks, I was off of work, and so I watched a lot of television. And I was watching old Friends
0: reruns, which are, you know, brilliant. And they're now up on Netflix. Netflix has just posted all the seasons. Oh, really? It's a big deal. Um, ooh.
1: can't show my dick on camera. So anyways, you were catching up on Friends episodes. No, I was just thinking, she's, you know, she's been famous for a long time. Recognizable. Because she went from Friends. She was, you know, she did some, done some really nice film work.
0: You know, now she has these two, you know, the two TV series running at the same time this year. Well, you were saying that I was thinking about listening to her on the Nerdist podcast recently, and she talked about being somewhere, and I can't remember where it was, but they had just gotten friends, and how trippy that must be. You're in a foreign country, and you're trying to either have relaxation, or maybe you're working on something else, and you're in a different mindset, and you think nobody's going to know and... Here they are now, just now starting to... That was good timing on her part going there. (laughs) Yeah, I wish I remember where it was. I want to say it was like Indonesia, but I don't remember. So after the bathroom scene, at the end of the night, it's a shot of Chris taking Valerie home and trying to outrun Jane and the cameras in the Jeep and it was a very Doty Diana kind of moment because they crossed over the yellow line and Valerie's like screaming at Jane you're gonna kill us it's like they're playing chicken and Jane is screaming that it's a great shot and they've got to get the shot then Chris just pushes the gas and his super supercharged virile sports car takes off down and totally leaves Jane and crew in the dust at the front of Valerie's house. Chris walks Valerie to the door like a gentleman and he makes a comment to Jane that Jane's got big balls as Jane is getting the crew in place to film this doorway scene. Valerie doesn't have her key so she's taking out her hide a key thing. He's like laughing at that but that is like such a normal thing. I'm sure that's such a lost concept to him anymore because he, like Juno, is at a level of stardom where you don't just have a hide key right? I mean, it's There's like, someone
1: there to let you into your home. Or
0: you've got an alarm system or something. And, right. And you certainly wouldn't have somebody filming you finding your hide key
1: <laughs> And now the whole world knows where Belly's hide key is.
0: Right. Exactly.
3: Can I tell you something? Sure. Yeah. When we were on board, <laughs> I had the biggest crush on you. I thought you were so hot.
2: Ah, oh, Chris. <laughs> so, yeah. can I come in? Thank you for the ride home. <laughs> come on. <You> no. Know, I... <laughs> Make me feel so good. But, you know, I'm married. So.
3: Yeah, but you said he wasn't staying here.
2: Well, not right this second. No you know come on you
3: know you want me to take my shirt
2: off? i can rent one of your movies if i want to see that <laughs> <Or> on netflix <laughs> yeah 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 but so, you know what but you know what i will do i'm gonna give you a kiss because you are doing me a world of good
0: thank you i can't believe that he did what he did with the cameras on I wondered if he thought they weren't filming them. I don't know. Or that Val wasn't mic'd or something. Could be. Valerie did ask for a private moment, and it looked like Jane was kind of filming off in the distance, but it was this really kind of intimate moment. All of it. Chris moves in to really make a play for Val. It was sexy. I thought it was really sexy. At the same time, a little disturbing, because there is a certain age difference, although... If I were her, I'm not quite sure I would have made the same choice. (laughs) I know. I think
1: she was torn for a moment because, you know, she's feeling so low about herself with Mark.
0: It's true. And we know that he's had an affair. And so I'm sure that... I wonder when the affair was. Just like we don't know when the abortion was. No. Somewhere within the last 10 years. Was it? Or was it maybe before? Yeah. You know, it could have happened at any point in time. Cause how old was she when the comeback, the season one? Like how old was she supposed to be? In her forties, early forties? Yeah, yeah. So there wouldn't have been too much time. I mean, I guess these days women get pregnant much later, but usually because they're trying. Right. And if she's not trying and she got pregnant, it would have had to have either been right after the comeback, but it also could have been before. Who knows? Who knows? But I agree with you.
1: I I was I was like I. I don't know, Val. I mean, I didn't want her to go for it because of, you know, love bug, blood ball. But I'm um, I, I, with you. I mean, he was sexy.
0: Did you think at all that she
1: might? I had a moment. He was, you know, I mean, I, haven't you been in that situation where someone's trying that hard for that? And he's very flattering and he's very adorable yeah, and powerful
0: and in, in a way. Yeah, no, it's, sometimes that's hard to walk away from. He's very powerful in a non-threatening way. Yeah. I love the poem where he's like, "Do you want you know? Do you want me to take my shirt off?" At that point, though, I thought he's not really that smart. No,
1: <laughs> no, he was all pretty.
0: But he's just using like, "Well, this usually works. I'll just take yeah. my shirt off," and I, and she's like, "Yeah." I but he's also see that. someone who's used to getting laid, you know. So that was he wasn't going to stop until he did. He probably really enjoyed having to work so hard. Yeah. As most men do. I mean, there is a truth to playing hard to get. To an extent, you know, there's a healthy amount of that. Something that's too easy can definitely be rejected just as easily and quickly. She turns him down repeatedly and he insists on giving her his number and pulls her phone out of her thing. And then seems genuinely hurt that he can't find his contact information in her phone. And she says she doesn't think that she ever had it, which I believe. They didn't seem to have that relationship on season one. No, I mean, I think she
1: was only close with Juno on season one. Well,
0: look, let me give you my number, and
3: wherever I am, I'm five minutes away. Okay. I'm not in here still?
2: It's a new phone, so I don't think you were ever in it, though. Don't give me that look, okay? How come you never called me, playa?
3: I was embarrassed. Oh, shit,
2: I think I just agree worry something. You, on my phone? You did?
0: I mean, he's had a whole story over the last 10 years, and that was kind of a beautiful moment. His look of real... Disappointment that he wasn't in there and here's someone I think on the level he thinks is really important to him And he looks really genuinely like like a kid at that moment He
1: must have had the hugest crush on her then
0: and he's really held it tight and then that oh, but I'm not on your phone and And he puts himself in and says he's always five minutes away then makes his final push tonight would
3: be the best because I'm really fucking hard
1: right now. Such a teenage... It was, but again, it brought
0: me back. I mean... (laughs) There's something about a man saying that to you in the right... The right man in the right context can be very sexy. And the wrong man in the
1: wrong context can be very scary. Shabby. (laughs) Be or Call me shabby.
0: Personal. Personal moments. (laughs) She did seem disturbed when he says that he'll come in through the back door. <laughs>
3: <laughs> All right, I'll go okay. around, I'll just come through
2: the back door. Well, you know what? I don't do back door, so I'm sure that's a big letdown for you, and I understand. So.
0: And she quickly says that she doesn't do the back door, and she doesn't want to disappoint him. What, is, what does that even mean, that's not cheating if you come in through the back door? That wasn't said. I know that there's people who say it doesn't count if you go come in right. the back door because the Catholic idea, like you stay there's, a virgin, yeah. It's, yeah, you know, lots of ass sex but not proper, yeah, am, loss um, of one's virginity. Yeah,
1: uh, that's not an appealing thought to me at all. No, I don't. You know, I don't do back door either. Just
0: it's not a trend. I was ever. <laughs> I was ever really jumping to become a part of. So. Valerie doesn't do the back door, as I'm sure we could have guessed anyways. Chris exits, saying to Jane, she's all yours, butch. And as he's getting in his car, the paparazzi catch him out front, and they want to know who his girlfriend is. And Valerie turns to the camera and delivers the great line.
2: Movie star with the money complex. Next. Chris, who's your girlfriend?
1: Next. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. She was so valid in that moment.
0: And that, to me, was a genuinely grown-up moment that, oh my God, you know this guy's old enough to be my son, or I'm old enough to be his mother.
1: And, and you know, even as vulnerable as she was, she was able to know that this was not the right thing to do.
0: Because she loves Mark. She does love Mark. <laughs> the next scene is almost an homage. It really brought back memories. It's the same format as seen from the pilot it's the overhead kitchen camera and it's late night and she's in front of the refrigerator snacking on her zone meals which then go into the you know oh leftover takeout God. food that then goes into That's the sarah Lee heart and it also felt so familiar to me that I, it was pleasing it wasn't her saying over and over again i don't want to see that right but it was her practicing her emmy speech Right, but I just mean how it went from the
1: the food, you know, the pushing down her feelings.
0: I was actually happy to see her eating, though. And this is one thing about the comeback. We've got the Francesca storyline, but we don't hear a lot about her obsessing about her weight or her size. I mean, she's she, of course, wanted to prepare, and we know that there's the aging issues. Right. But, like, in terms of her being obsessed with being a size 2 or something... That's ne- She never really talks about that at all. I can't no. think of one incident. No, you're right. She doesn't. So to see her the night before the Emmys, when you know so many people are doing like cleanses and whatever they can to fit into the dress the next day, I thought it was a kind of a cool thing because it portrayed a healthier version of an actress in Hollywood. I like
1: that. I hadn't even thought about that. See, I went to the She's pushing her feelings down with food.
0: She she does start off with the the good stuff, with the zone meals, you know, and then the salad and going to the Sarah Lee with whipped cream. She rehearses like 10 or 11 different times. She does at one point say, I I don't want to say that, about thanking Polly G. And there's this poignant moment where she runs out of time practicing and she goes, oh, there's no room for Mark.
1: Right. That was a very telling moment.
0: Then it goes to Black and then the light of the refrigerator door opening again. So we know it's even later. And she's there rehearsing the full speech and she finishes up with a flourish saying, and my husband Mark, who was always there for me, and then just fills her mouth with the whipped cream and the timer goes off and it's that like perfect. It was a beautiful moment. The next scene is the interior of her home she's getting ready and entertainment tonight is there filming her jane and billy are getting into it because jane is visible in the mirror she's in the shot and billy is very done with jane and is telling her look this is the end of your doc right the emmy thing is the end of the doc for hbo and he and val need this to go on after you know that we need this to go which on which is and true on. But it does show the business side of it, and it shows the hanger-on kind of mentality, the desperation, too, that we got to keep this money machine, we got to keep this money machine rolling.
1: Well, Val ended up being a much bigger cash cow for Billy than he ever thought she would be.
0: But in a way, he took a chance on her, too. They both took a chance on one another. Yeah. Maybe it was a conversation we were having about Billy and whether or not he really cared about her or were friends with her. But I think that him showing up in the first episode of season two, when she really hasn't done much of anything. Right, he stuck with her. To tell her about the seeing red, I thought was very protective and showed something about his attachment to her and their relationship. So Mickey is doing her hair and she's appropriately acting nervous for the camera For entertainment tonight. And Esperanza comes in upset. Another callback to the pilot episode of season one. Oh, I
1: know. That was so funny. What is with their plumbing in that house? You would think after all these years they would get it together.
0: Maybe nothing has gone wrong in these 10 years until now. But the water pressure's bad and there's no water. Esperanza is very upset. Just like in the pilot, Val blows her off again. Just not really hearing her. For a moment, it's That so was, old, like, Val. such
1: a sense of impending doom to me. Of course. I mean, I didn't know what th- that it was going to happen to that extent, but... Uh,
0: like, what could be worse than losing the It wall? But I think we learn. I think we learn. A sea of shit. <laughs> Entertainment Tonight is asking how long Mickey has done Val's hair, and they talk about how he's been doing our hair since I'm It. It's been 24 years, which she also looks like... She doesn't really want him to say that. Because not people start doing math about her age? Right. She, he's like, you know, almost a quarter of a century.
3: How long has Mickey been doing your hair?
0: Okay. Um, so let's see. Mickey joined me when I
2: starred in my own show, I'm It. Good. And that was, uh.
3: 24 years ago, nearly a quarter of a century,
2: Well,
3: and no. she is my favorite of all the heads I've ever done. Distant Second is that act. What is her name? She was in that sitcom about a family. Uh, oh, I'll get it, but okay. what's her name? Blonde. Joanna Kearns? No, not her. Okay. I can see her. Real cute family.
2: Uh, Bonnie Franklin.
3: No, not her. Thick head of hair, I always had the back brushing. Okay. She lives in Beverly Hills.
2: Bonnie Franklin? I just said I just said her.
3: No, it's not her. Yeah. Um a blonde on NBC. And now she's a big Les.
2: Oh Meredith Baxter Burney. Yep, okay. That's her. Yeah. Well she's lovely. Yeah.
0: Then Nikki's nose starts to bleed onto his Yves Saint Laurent shirt. Oh, oh, And he tells us that the new medication he's on is thinning his blood. And he says this has been happening. He's been getting these nosebleeds. They started
3: me on new medication that thins the blood. Yeah. I think it's too thin.
2: Well, you know what? This always works, and Mark cuts himself, so.
3: I was driving down Bundy the other day, and I had a Mm nosebleed. A real gusher. Luckily, I had one of your emergency tampons in my bag. So I was on Bundy and I'm driving down with a tampon stuck up my nose. <laughs> if you can imagine. <laughs> now they just come on all the time, anytime. Red, I don't think I can go.
2: Because, yeah, because mm. the stain's not budging. Yeah.
1: It's, when all else fails, put a tampon in your nose.
0: I think you should always have a tampon in your purse, just in case of bloody noses. Mm-hmm. If you're a man, a condom and a tampon in your purse. In your purse. If you're a man, yes. in your mirths. Yes,
1: you need in a your man. You bag. need a for. Yeah, because what makes a man purse more masculine than a good old tampon?
0: <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> own it, people. Own it. Valerie goes to help him clean up the blood on his shirt and goes to turn on the water and there's no water which Esperanza has just told her but she's acting surprised then she uses a trick that she uses with Mark when he cuts himself shaving using toothpaste which is something I've never heard of before but I also loved it because it was like this little domestic yeah moment and we also see again what she's like as a wife right? right she's a problem solver in certain situations she can be very wifely In the midst of all this, Mickey comes to the realization that he shouldn't go. Valerie agrees. That
1: was so sad.
0: It was. Mickey
1: should have had his Emmy moment.
0: Well, maybe he will. The next scene is outside Val's house and they are getting Mickey into her limo and instructing the driver to take him home and stop at Greenblatt's because she's ordered him his favorite sandwich and she's just taking care of him.
1: I loved that too.
0: He's very much concerned about her getting ready. He's ever the codependent, wanting to make sure that she's okay, even though especially her hair. Yes, yeah, I'm sure he's just totally terrified about her What's hair.
1: Gonna, oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: He says, "You knock him dead red as they drive off." And I had a
1: little catch in my throat. because
0: oh. at that moment, it felt like this is the last time we're going to see Mickey.
1: I had that moment. I was like, dun-dun-dun-dun.
0: Suddenly we hear... I actually
1: stood up at my house and went dun-dun-dun-dun, which was a little odd.
0: So, as the limo is pulling off, Esperanza... Starts reacting to water coming out from under the garage door and they don't know what it is. And Jane is advising Val that they need to deep six the Entertainment Tonight crew because she doesn't think that they should be showing the Mickey footage, the footage that they have of Mickey. Yeah. Val calls Jane on her agenda, says, oh, I see your agenda Brad Gordetsky's going to arrive and he expects the Entertainment Tonight crew. They're all like very much about Brad Gordetsky wanting A- again. the Entertainment Tonight <laughs> crew. And want, that, that Brad wouldn't do it unless the Entertainment Tonight crew is there or something. I don't know whether that's true or just an excuse Probably. that they're using. That could be. Esperanza has gone inside to open up the garage door per Val's instructions. And as the door lifts up... A sea of fecal matter and grossness just floods out of the like garage. It was a DD
1: slip and slide. Oh,
0: it was so disgusting. It was horrifying. What? That's fecal matter.
2: What? Shoot. Oh,
1: I'm here.
2: Brad! Brad! Oh, my
1: goodness. I know I'm late. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, Traffic but... was like forever.
2: Don't run, okay, Brad? Just be careful. <gasps>
0: oh. Oh. <gasps> oh! It's fine. I saved it. It's fine.
2: What the fuck? Uh, okay. Well, okay. You know what? I think I will send away entertainment tonight. Oh. Yeah.
0: We see that pipes have burst through the wall as everybody's screaming. It is just it was shitsy. like it was like a disaster movie fitting to considering how much duty talk we have had on the- I
1: know <laughs> I thought about that. I thought, what a gift to us that they give us all this duty at the end.
0: you know, just just so much material, literally valor material. fecal material. Again, as Bronza, like the kid, is screaming for her to call Mr. Mark. Valerie tells us that she has tried to call Mark four times and has not heard back from him. He's not returning. As this exchange is going on, Brad Gordetsky pulls up in his car, oh frantic God. because he's late, in his, his perfectly white tux, he's got the dress in his hand, and a flurry not listening to them. He totally eats it. He
1: rides the duty slip and slide. <laughs>
0: face first. Oh, it was so
1: gross.
0: It was so disgusting. I wonder what they made that out of. I don't know. Hopefully it wasn't real duty. He's really excited that he saved the dress until he realizes he's covered in shit. And he starts I hate when that happens, don't you? (laughs) If I have a dollar. So yes, he's screaming what the fuck and Val decides, yeah, maybe it is better to send away the Entertainment Tonight crew. When the shit starts flying. When he starts slipping on the shit, it might be time to let the crew go. The next scene is Val approaching the neighbor's house and asking if she can use his shower to rinse off her. I was
1: wondering what she was going to do.
0: They've got no water. And she's got to get ready for the Emmys, and there's shit everywhere. And she actually says, even though she's rinsed some of it off, it's just this feeling she has. And I don't blame her. I have that kind of feeling just watching it. Yeah, and, oh.
1: Oh. Imagine what it smelled like. I oh. can't, oh, it's a horrible thought. <laughs>
0: She explains what the situation is to the neighbor, who just is very curious about why she's there, and then you also know, I what's had that happened happen to me. By the way, what
1: personal personal moments? I came home once from a. I was on the road for a week, and I got home to my apartment, and I went into the bathroom, and I heard like, rawr, 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 like this weird, and then. I flushed the toilet and like oh. it was a duty tornado. oh I had they had like the city had to come out and like, hurricane twang, duty they like they packaged up all my stuff and I couldn't have it like it, it was because they didn't know whose shit it was. And, oh yeah, it was horrible. I had to move out for like five days.
0: who pays for that? I'm the landlord yeah. yeah or in this case Mr. Mark. So you could really relate to Val in this moment. I've seen. I've seen the shit tornado.
1: (laughs) I've had a shit storm in my life.
0: Personal. Personal moments. (laughs) The shit storm has definitely arrived at this moment in our story. And Val tells the neighbor that the problem was all of the crew members using the toilets and flushing the sanding wipes, which are actually not disposable and don't decompose. Yeah, you know, in
1: this in this talk, you can see that the, the somebody's already out there taking care of it. The city's come. The, you know, so time is...
0: She handled it. She did, on her own. Yeah. She solved the problem. I and was proud of her. Mickey's gone now, too. So there's another level of, like, another security blanket removed. And yeah. she's finding herself capable, even though she doesn't know what to do half the time. Like, she's screaming that she doesn't know what to do. The neighbor asks her what his name is. and She says, don't you know what your name is? And he seems put off because in the two years he's lived there, she's never introduced herself or come by, and now she needs something. And he says, all, all you people in Brentwood are the same. So we learned that they are in Brentwood, which we had pretty much narrowed down to Santa Monica, Brentwood area. Right. And so it was like, okay, huzzah, we know where it is. Uh, He thinks that the reason that she hasn't come over is because he's Persian. A total surprise to her. Like, that's not... She may be totally self-absorbed, but that's not even on her radar, I don't think. No. And she tells him that she doesn't have time to get into a discussion about the issues in the Middle East, as real as they might be. You know, she's nominated and she's got an hour to get to the Emmys.
1: I was really worried about how she was going to look at that moment.
0: But her hair was still holding up. It was. And it was still sunny, and, you know, we knew that there was going to be rain, and there's no rain at this point in time, although that might have helped clear out the duty from the driveway. It might have. Ooh. Can you imagine if that's your job? Like,
1: post-Duty Storm cleaner upper man? Or woman?
0: Yeah, she said that the guys with the hazmat suits and the EPA were there. Oh,
1: God. That would be a really bad job to have.
0: Oh. Yeah, it would be. Like, who goes into that? Like, when I grow up, I want to be a duty sweeper. Maybe there are people who... People who don't have olfactory glands. Could be. You know. Yeah. Because to me, the scent, the smell would just... Yeah. I wonder if in their little hazmat helmets, they have like little bursts of... Glade, uh, fresh... uh, Yeah. Like lavender oil or something that could kind of keep you calm so that you're not like, Oh my God, I'm touching shit! (laughs) I'm sure there's thought into that stay calm stay calm buddy
1: or if not we can invent it (laughs) hey aromatherapy for (laughs) hazmat
0: call us if somebody has some back financial backing or maybe we should just start a kickstarter but we're thinking of how to solve these very real problems so the neighbor lets her in without the cameras our next shot is her being carried out of her house to the limo by a topless I'm going to say topless as opposed to shirtless. He was a topless Brad Gordetsky, and Billy are carrying her to the limo. And Billy looked very pleased with being there with topless Brad. It was kind of a topless shot. He looked really good. He's in good shape. Yeah, absolutely. They get the dress in. The dress is amazing. Oh, it's so gorgeous. And she looks so good. Her waist looks so tiny. I love that dress. I love that shot of them carrying her too, because you got to see the color underneath the skirt that you don't see in the other shots. It's like got this kind of pretty. I don't know if it's like a poppy colored lining, but anyways, I'm geeking out about the dress. It's oh, it a beautiful, beautiful. De- dress. I don't know who designed it or maybe. But I wonder if Brad Gordeski actually did design it. Oh, see a designer too? Oh, I thought I he was just not. a stylist. A stylist, you're right. But there might be a way for us to find out. We'll find out. We'll find out. They are all happy because it's still not raining, and Jane is following in the Jeep. Okay, so Marcy is currently trying to find out who designed Valerie's amazing Emmy dress, and she's going to tweet out, and maybe Brad Goretzky, who I keep saying Gordetsky or Gordetsky because I'm thinking of Eddie Gordetsky. Uh, so, Brad Goretzky. Sorry that I have repeatedly mispronounced your name. Brad Goretzky. Brad Goretzky. Brad Goretzky. Brad Goretzky. After Brad and Billy have sent her off in the limo, the next scene is on the red carpet, and by the time they've arrived, it has started raining. She's getting her pictures taken by all the paparazzi. She looked so pretty. I just have to say it again. And there's that one shot of Jane, like, posing. Jane too. looked really pretty, too. Yeah, and she looks like she's learned how to walk on the heels. Yeah. Which, far Cry from the People's Choice Awards. The, oh my god, that was so funny. In season one. I'm not quite sure where they shot this. The actual Emmys and award shows have been at the Nokia Theater downtown for several years. But this place looked more like the shrine downtown or or
1: it's not the kodak theater at hollywood highland
0: i think they do oscars at kodak oh okay emmy's has been at nokia la live the building where they are i mean it was so beautiful and it was really old school hollywood so there she is getting her picture taken posing and in the middle of it rolling ron (laughs) Ron, the line producer, rolls in and totally gets in her shot. And oh he's my god, like, he We go away. He's like, we did it! And the last time we saw him was the two of them going head to head out in the desert. Yeah, he was a douche to her. He was such a douche. And now he's just trying to cling to her. What is
1: that? Because she was nominated for an Emmy and he wanted to be next to that.
0: And she is continuing to pose with him. And they're asking who that is and she says it's one of the producers and she's sort of leaning down and posing until billy breaks that up and is like no look wheelchair and a bolo tie is not the photo op we want (laughs) but you know ouch (laughs) yeah but he's been such a prick to her ron has been that even though the two things aren't related it still to me was like yeah get ron out of there I was mad on her behalf that he was, Ron was always like two feet behind. And Billy keeps trying to steer her away and Ron just seems to be right there like a shadow. Billy also won't let her hold her phone and text. He says it's a really bad thing for people to see the stars texting. Which is texting. true. And I'd never thought about it. But I guess on these red carpets you really don't, we really don't see people texting and their support staff their agents managers assistants publicists whoever are manning that stuff for them they need to be present right
1: you know and with texting and everything you know people aren't present they're looking their faces are in their phone all the time now
0: and probably a little slack and not looking pretty yeah but valerie seems very concerned because she wants mark to know where to meet her when he shows up and Billy is not convinced that Mark is going to come.
2: I'll oh, see you. We'll turn a with type the opposite of the photo op we want, okay? I, what was I supposed to do? No more contact. Okay. Hit my phone. I just want to text Mark, tell him we'll meet him by the big statue. Text him in front of press, no. You sure he's coming? Well, of course my man's showing up. In the end, it's Hollywood, right?
3: <laughs> oh, here comes Catherine, the big cheese from HBO. Quick, talk to her.
2: Oh, oh hello fucked up my hair. How do I look? Great. Really? Yeah. I am so happy for the Valerie. Uh, wheres you're going to win. That's worded. That's a word of saying. <laughs> have you seen Johnny Foster? <laughs> Not yet. Yeah. Alright, yeah. you go, Jane, she said "Where its I'm
1: going to win. <laughs> she expects him to ride in on a white horse. Love ball on a white horse. Who doesn't want love ball on a white horse? And you know, he's got the lady butt, so so we have some padding. To bounce on the horse,
0: he comes inside saddle, <laughs> <laughs> so there she is. The word is Valerie is going to win. Billy shepherds Val back to the doors to go in, and as Valerie is at the front doors, waiting to get in with Billy uh, and looking for Mark, Tyler walks up, fully dressed in a tuxedo again, Tyler showing up. What was he doing there? Well, that is what her face looked like, right? Oh, yeah. He's he the last
1: person she wanted to see.
0: It's like the actor's nightmare, too. It's like every door she opens, there's Tyler. You know, it's yeah. like everything, every time she goes to do something, the last person she wants to see is Tyler, and he's the first person there. He has gotten Mark's ticket. Mark gave him oh, his ticket. It was so sad. He didn't seem to quite get it either. He just seemed so damn pleased to be there. He didn't understand. He doesn't get that Valerie can't stand him anymore. And I don't think that he fully understands what's going on with Mark and Val, either. No. Again, he's put in the middle of everything. So, Billy instructs Val not to let the news that Mark isn't coming ruin her night. She says that it won't, and, you know, she knows that it's going to be a fabulous night, but you can tell that she's not... Fooling anybody, she is very upset and she starts ranting about Mark making his choice not to be there for her on the biggest night of her life. Billy says, "You know, of your career, really."
1: I thought that that was a really douchey move on Mark's
0: part. I mean, come on, why not give her a little heads up too? Yeah, or have give the, the, the ticket opportunity ticket to, to
1: Tyler, s- or let give it back to her and let her give it to someone she wants to give it to. Or, but why? Why couldn't he go? You know, I was mad at him.
0: Yeah, I I agree. And on the other hand, I can sort of imagine that he feels this is the only way to really send her a message. Because to engage with her before this could have started more communication and he doesn't want that. And he's putting Tyler in the middle too. I don't know. Or maybe he hadn't really made up his mind. Maybe he didn't really know what he was going to do until the time comes. We don't know how long ago he gave Tyler the ticket. That's true. Might not have been that long ago. But Tyler looked very excited to be there. Valerie just tells Tyler to go and find the seats and kind of pushes him out. Valerie spots Jimmy Burrows across the room. Uh, She hasn't seen him since Room and Board. Billy tells us yeah of course he's there. He's won like 40 Emmys and he's getting the Lifetime Achievement Award. Jimmy introduces her to Sean Hayes, who will be announcing her category. I love Sean Hayes. It was nice to have a little cameo there. I know. Just check. Just check. Jimmy goes on to give Val real props for her performance in Seeing Red and tells her that he's proud of her. That's
2: great. Oh, Jimmy. Look, look at us. You and I both at the Emmys. Yeah. You, uh,
3: you, you were really good in that show. I was. Yeah, I like you. I could have done with, like, uh, 10,000 less needle close-ups.
2: Oh, well, (laughs) he was a junkie, you know.
3: I got that right away. (laughs) You really put yourself out there, good for you. I got to run, Uh, I got to find my wife. Oh,
2: you know, uh, Mark didn't come.
3: Mark, uh, who's, who's, oh, 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 your husband. Yeah. Yeah,
2: didn't show, you know, just threatened by my success. We've been having some problems and you know, but he should still understand that this is important to me, right? This is it's important.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's it's important, but it's not as important as that. You hear me? This is one night. A great night. Yeah. But only one night. Yeah. Hope you win you deserve it. And if you do win, uh-huh. hold on to that Emmy and everything else. Okay. Thank you. Please take your seats. The broadcast
0: begin. One of the Yoda moments where he's so wise and real and grounded. I think she,
1: even though I was like, oh, I was so uncomfortable for her. Like, why are you doing that, Val? I think she knew she could. Like, I think she knew he wouldn't walk away. And,
0: and he doesn't. No. And he's himself and pretty compassionate even though you think this is the most important night of your nut- right. life it's not as important as your marriage
1: which was what a great moment you know with everything they went through in season 1
0: daddy's approval yeah exactly he does sort of make a little dig about the directing he kind of he says you know he could have done with less close-ups of needles which is really the director in him right yeah. like kind of criticizing the direction Polly G's direction. Which Um, didn't,
1: I think, get a lot of attention anyway. I don't, you know, I think Val got nominated, but I I think we've talked about it. The show, I don't,
0: you know. Well, we think maybe Seth Rogen got nominated as well. But yeah, Valerie's performance in Seeing Red has been the centerpiece of Seeing Red, what people are focusing on about that show. Right. The next scene is the interior of the auditorium and everybody's coming in to get seated and Billy's very excited because their seats seem to be up close, which seems like a good sign. And as they approach their seats, they see Rolling Ron blocking the aisle, and Billy's very upset, but does manage to hold it together. Billy does seem to be holding his temper together more this season, I think. Yeah, I agree. Since he walked off and had his hissy fit, that that was it. a glorious hissy fit. Yeah, since I'll then, never forget that. He's feeling said. far more secure. Val trips over the back wheel as she's trying to get into her seat and Billy's urging everybody to be careful because they've got to return her dress, that fabulous dress. And up comes an usher or a producer of the Emmys who wants to move things out of the aisle and they think that she means Ron, but she doesn't mean Ron, she means Jane's camera crew. And Jane has a bit of a director-producer moment here where she's getting very... Self-righteous and indignant because she's made arrangements. HBO's made arrangements for them. But this person, this producer, has no idea and doesn't care because obviously they're blocking the aisle and it's a problem. So Jane kicks Tyler out of the seat. He does not want to go because he's a filmmaker. Random. All of a sudden.
1: Yep, that's what he does now.
0: And Jane is going to film what she can on her phone and tells the rest of the crew to get what they, they can wherever. Conan O'Brien comes out. He's hosting. He's doing his opening shtick. Yeah, you know
1: the little gossip there. Conan O'Brien and Lisa Kudrow dated when they were in college.
0: They did. Yeah. I didn't know that. Or
1: right after, like Groundlings time, maybe. So they're yeah, they friends. used to date. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's nice. So there he is hosting. He's making jokes about all the roles for women that season. That at least two of them weren't prostitutes another comment on women's roles in hollywood as the opening monologue is going on billy tells val that she's just got a text from mark and she thinks that it's him making apologies probably wishing her luck or something and then she looks at it and you see a look on her face
3: speaking of prostitutes seth rogan did cable yeah. yeah you got a text from mark I was
2: just going to say,
3: good luck. They left me alone on the you biggest night of
2: my life? That a oh, yeah, that's right. Mickey collapsed at home and they rushed him to see her sign.
0: No, I just thought right Billy that. told her that. Like, Billy got a text. No. Billy does get the text. He says, you got a text from oh, Mark. Oh right. oh, right, it was on her phone. Yeah, okay. and then hands it to her and then that's she right. sees
1: it. Oh, I just tightened up and I just, I got so scared. Right. Well, Nikki. because we
0: just saw him drive off in the limo. Bleeding. So I would have had the same internal conflict that she seemed to be having at that moment. Yeah, I mean, what, what What? would you have done? Oh, I would have gone. I would have yeah. left too. Yeah, I, I would have too. The only difference is, is that I wouldn't have, it wouldn't have even occurred to me to stay. Like, she is frozen, and she asks what she should do and that's something about valerie and we just talked about it a few minutes ago how she's i don't even know if it's learning to trust herself but she's starting to act of her own volition but still habitually it's you've got to call mr mark or you've got to Go to Mickey or for the right answer or the correction or somebody else is in charge of her. What does she do? She's looking for the direction, right? Right. What's her motivation? What's my direction? And she asks what she should do, and Billy looks very confused. Like, why would you go? Like, this is you got to be here. Uh, and Jane is telling her that she can't go. That she's gonna win, and of course, Jane needs her footage. Billy's checking to see when the category comes up, but Valerie is so shaken that she has to leave and goes out into the lobby to call Mark. She enters the lobby, and the whole look of the episode changes, and it changes to a very cinematic.
1: Yes, that was really amazing.
0: You go from that documentary and reality TV and even just your television show kind of lighting and feel.
1: I love, well, because she wasn't being filmed by Jane anymore.
0: And we suddenly get to see a moment where she's not in front of the cameras, supposedly. And I thought that shot was really beautiful of her. It was the giant empty lobby, which had just been like crowded with people pushing to get in. And there she is almost alone. I mean, there's some people in the background fussing with things as there always are in those events, you know. But she's really alone trying to call Mark and not getting through.
2: Mark, it's me. I got your text. So, how is he? Please call me back. No, the miracle I'm talking about is the rain.
3: That's right. It is raining outside.
2: It's me again. Just thought you might pick up. I'm worried sick. Okay? Please call me. I don't know what to to do.
0: She decides that she's going to go, even though she doesn't know what to do. She's just sort of operating on autopilot in a way she steps out of that building out onto the red carpet where she'd just been and there are people that was on...
1: a that was a crazy moment when she was going out it was happening in there and that was like a kind of like a dream to me
0: you it know it was well and again the quality of the visual had shifted yeah. which gave it a different quality that was almost dreamlike softer like the lens Lighting that she probably would have really preferred the having lens, yeah. Yeah. The Civil Shepherd lens. Yeah. The Vaseline lens. So when I want she... like a Vaseline lens. I want like
1: a Mickey and a Vaseline lens to follow yeah, me around. Just always looking mm-hmm. very soft and pretty. Yes.
0: Outside it is raining even though the clear plastic is still over the red carpet, but on one point you can see that it's burst through and there's like water on the red carpet. Which I don't know if that was purposeful or if that was a choice or not. But I thought it was a little symbolic that it had burst through. And she runs down the empty expanse of the red carpet to where the valets are. She doesn't know how to get her limo. She's asking for her limo and all she knows is that it's black. Which is so different than anyone else's limo. (laughs) As opposed to mine, which is hot pink. And has little Hello Kitties all up and down it.
1: (laughs) That's the saddest thing I've ever heard.
0: Oh, really? I think it's so like, poignant like, really.
1: about grandwomen and Hello Kitty. I don't know.
0: Hey, I like Hello Kitty.
1: I I, I won't let her go. Uh, Do you have secret kitty things?
0: I have little Hello Kitty stuff around. I actually was just wearing a Hello Kitty toque while I was in New York that my mother had given me. A toque? A toque It's like a beanie. Oh. A toque is uh, another word for beanie that I don't know where it comes from. I know the Canadians use it, and that's I've like never a, heard that word before. Beyond my Hello Kitty limousine, they can't get her the One of the valets suggests that she does Uber because it'll be faster than them trying to figure out which one is her limo because she doesn't have a tag for it or this, was, this whole episode was a great advertisement for Uber. It really was. I wonder if they got some like sponsorship or something from them. I don't know. But she has the app, but she's also practically breaking down because she says, you know, Mark always does it. Her husband does it. But again, here she is competent figuring it out, also getting help from other people. Can you mention
1: the Uber driver being the Uber driver, picking her up? Why, and,
0: why are you not at the end? You know, like right. this woman in an Emmy dress. And when she gets in the car with him, when she gets in the silver Prius with the Uber driver... they all have silver Priuses. He does not even ask, no. you know, what's going on. And so she's in the back seat of the Uber car, and she's trying to... Make a call and she's trying to unlock her phone.
2: Red, what is this? Sir, do you know what this is? it says disabled? It's red, do you know?
3: You hit the wrong code three times. You're blocked.
2: I can't blo- I can't be blocked. I have to make calls and receive calls. This is an emergency. Blocked for how long?
3: Maybe two hours. Depends on the settings.
0: Another side note I thought. Well, this is new. The lock on the phone has got to be new for her, too, because we just saw the night before, right, because the night before was Junas' party? Yeah. That Chris McNess pulled it out and just went right in, and I wonder if, like, after that she was like, no, 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 i got to set a lock on it.
1: That probably.
0: Because I was a little horrified that he just went in and started. I know. And then at one point he said, I think I deleted something. Yeah, I don't like people doing things to my phone. Yeah. So, obviously, she's not she's not familiar with this aspect of cell phones, the locking in and out. And she's shaken and she's not putting in her passcode. And she asks the driver what it means when it says disabled and turns red. The driver tells her that she's hit the wrong code three times and that it has to have time to reset. And it's really crazy. Uh, I didn't reset. know that. Did you know that? I did not know that. But... Yoko, a.k.a. Tom, pointed out to me that... Mr. Miss Ms. Jenny. That suddenly she's seeing red. You know, oh. That she's locked out of the phone and she's seeing red on the phone. Wow. That's deep. Wasn't that? Yoko had a deep moment. Yoko has his, has his deep moments. Yes, I'm yeah. sure he, does. he knows story. He does. She, there she is in the back of that car That's with no cameras. Plans. No access. to the Nobody stranger. has, and nobody has any access to her, right? And the stranger doesn't seem to be. Well, I think if your phone is locked, people can still call you. Oh, but if she can't get into it, she couldn't respond to them, right? So but even may if Billy have access to her, yeah, because I was wondering like why Billy wasn't texting her, or wondering where she was. The Prius pulls up in front of Cedar Sinai, and it looks like the sky has gotten dark since she's got back over to Beverly Hills from wherever the Emmys are being held cuz that's still unclear. Valerie rushes in and we pick up with her at one of the nurse's stations and she's asking about Mickey. I my I, I I was panicked.
1: I felt like I was running down that hallway with her, you know. My heart was beating.
0: And it was a real Hollywood movie moment, I know, you know, it the coming in with the wet dress and she's all fancy and it's this whole last part was very hollywood the nurse asks her if she's family and there's a beat and she says yes which i thought was important because other than mark and sort of francesca again we don't know what her family is right. we don't know if she's got siblings we've ne- i've never heard her mention what her mickey's parents her brother
1: <laughs> what is mickey's her father
0: when well, we've heard that by now don't you think that would have come out Dad, a... I no fault. <laughs> Let me do your hair. He
1: was Hair Vader.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The nurse doesn't give her any information about Mickey, but delivers the dreaded line that he's going to go get the doctor, which is never a good thing. So up walks Dr. Gonzalez, Mickey's doctor, and she delivers the news that Mickey is actually doing fine now, that he just had a bad reaction to his new medication. And Val does look relieved, but she's still worried until the doctor informs her that the medication is actually working and that the tumor is shrinking.
1: I love that. I love that they didn't kill Mickey.
0: Yes. Because we were expecting it, I think. Right. So I love that he lived. I was especially I was, if there's a season three. I was anticipating. Oh yeah, you can't have a season three without Mickey. No. So, Valerie is definitely happy that the meds are working and she wants to go see Mickey. And the nurse asks her about her pretty dress. And Val, for a moment, looks like she forgot she was even wearing it. And she's like, oh, yeah, it was for the Emmys. But she doesn't mention that she's nominated. Right. Her. It's not about her at this moment at all. Even though it's the most important night of her life uh, or her career to this point, more important than that is... Mickey in this moment and I thought that was a very mature moment for Valerie Valerie then she goes into Mickey's room and we see Mickey is watching the Emmys on TV with the sound off because he's fighting with the guy who's you know he's having a turf war with the neighboring bed there's this really beautiful moment between Mickey and Valerie where he tears up and she's holding his hand and he says that he's scared
3: you didn't have to come down here Yes, I did. Red.
2: I'm scared. No, I don't need to be scared because I'm here. And I just spoke with that fabulous doctor of yours. And she said, you're getting better.
3: Isn't she something? (laughs) Nothing to be scared of. Mm. Except maybe that hair.
0: Well. <laughs> He's totally obsessed with how her yeah, hair I knew he was going to be okay when he saw her hair. And he was upset about it. As they're having this little moment, the door opens and in comes Love Ball. Oh my God, that was such a Hollywood moment. Oh! Hands filled with Starbucks. Well, what's better than that. And he is surprised to see her. <laughs>
3: came i mean i sent you that text but i never expected you to there you are
0: kudos to damien young for what a beautiful scene it was he was so good in this scene This scene marked with their argument in the parking lot, their intensity with one another. I mean, I just bought this marriage and this history and this love between them. He looked all teary-eyed and surprised, like he couldn't believe she was there. Then he just sort of gestures to her and says, there you are. Oh, loved that line. There you are. It's like he's seeing his wife again. Yeah. Like he hasn't seen the Valerie he knows and loves in And that
1: and that was like that was all he wanted from her. That's what he was telling her. I missed that.
0: It was heart filling. It was fulfilling emotionally. A joyful heart moment. This moment is broken by Mickey saying that he believes that her category is up, and she confirms it because Sean Hayes is on the TV. So he turns up the volume and Mark is standing next to her. She's sitting down and he's holding her hand. And Mickey and Valerie are looking at the TV, but Mark is holding her hand and just looking at her, too. He's like, he still cannot. It was so beautiful. He's so into her at that yeah. moment. <laughs> As the names are listed, he kneels down next to her and starts watching the screen with her. And her fellow nominees are announced, and they're Sophia Vergara... For Modern Family, <laughs> Julie Bowen for Modern <laughs> Family. It was so funny. It was so perfect. Laverne Cox for Orange Is the New Black, and Anna Klumsky for Veep. All of whom are real. always yeah. nominated. And the Emmy
3: goes to Ah, Valerie. Oh!
0: Val wins and everybody is thrilled and screaming and smiling. And Mark has his hands over his mouth in this surprise and glee and... He was so truly happy for her. They're all truly happy. And it really is like all of their moments in a way, even though it's hers. Suddenly she gets what... Val gets what she really wants. Mark takes her face in his hand and kisses her. Oh, and it is such a big. Beautiful. Yeah, it's such a rom com moment. It is. She got her Hollywood ending. On the TV, there's a shot of Billy and Jane and everyone in the audience looking around for Valerie, not knowing where she is. So they don't even know at this point that she's totally left. And Sean Hayes on stage, not knowing what to do with the award, making a joke that he's going to have a set of them now. And then. We see this awkward shot of Polly G making his way towards the stage. What
1: was that?
0: It looks like he was going to collect it for her, but then he stopped himself because Sean was already riffing and
1: Polly's sort of frozen. That like, was the weirdest moment.
0: In a way it makes sense if he's the executive producer or of the show or something like that, he would go up on her behalf, right. you know. But it was
1: just it was he just hovering there. Like yeah, Sean, like, did you wanna you know there was like
0: Sean Hayes acknowledged him for a second? Right. And, yeah. Sean Hayes makes a joke about Polly G not looking like Val then Mickey has this little playful moment where he hands her the remote for a speech and she says that she accepts this Emmy on behalf of the two most important men in her life
1: Oh,
0: I was totally tearing up me too I sobbed like a baby my heart was just full and in this gleeful moment Mickey insists that uh, she and Mark pull out his bag and she's surprised that he brought it with him He instructs Mark to go plug in the curling iron because if the meds don't kill him, Val's hair will. I loved that. I wanted to be there.
1: It was the most intimate, wonderful, like, love-filled moment in there.
0: The last scene is very brief, and it's Valerie and Loveball walking hand-in-hand towards the exit down the hospital corridor. And she looked so beautiful, didn't she? That shot was, again, very cinematic, the back of them. And you hear their conversation. I'm so proud of you, and I
2: came, Dad. And everything. Well, I'm proud
0: of you. For what? Oh, for everything. I'm just like tearing up, uh, thinking yeah. about it. Oh, it was just so. Oh. oh my God, they love each other. I know. Yay. They're so I'm awesome. walking off into the sunset. Right, and they're supporting one another. As they get to the door to leave, Mark asks where Jane is, and for a moment, Valerie has no idea what he's talking about. She's like, Jane, Jane, oh. And then she remembers that she forgot about Jane. So
2: where's Jane? Jane, oh, I forgot about Jane.
0: Oh. Well, you wanna swing by and check out some Emmy parties? Uh,
2: have we met?
0: So so they're gonna go and party the night away and he's by her side. She has She has her marky mark. She won her Emmy, but more importantly, she won her man back. Yes. And like the season one finale, the song Cherish starts to play and the credits roll on the hospital corridor. And that was the end of season two. I loved it. I thought
1: it was perfect. I you know, I just I loved how everything wrapped up. I love the ride they took us on. I do want a season three, though. I know you said, like, what will they do? But
0: I think there's things to be done. I don't not want an, a season <laughs> three. I think that I'm just so satisfied. Oh, they did it so right. I get nervous when shows go on too long. Yeah. It's like, how long can you sustain this premise? Yeah. If it's the comeback and she's truly made it back at this point... Part of me just wants to buy in and believe that she will continue. It is my fantasy. You know, that's my fantasy that this character is going to continue to be a better person and have this relationship that may be difficult sometimes, but is ultimately supportive and sturdy. This is all my wish fulfillment. And so... I wish that for all of us. (laughs) Absolutely. In a career that sustains itself. Was there anything that you would have liked to have seen in the finale that you didn't? Or something um, that you would have liked to have known about that we don't?
1: No, actually. No, I think any more would have been overkill. You know, if you think about, like I said, we, we don't know what happened to other people from Room and Board, but who cares? You know, maybe I would like to have seen what happened to... I, I think I wanted to see Francesca.
0: Francesca would have been a cool yeah, kind of Yeah, I com- curious
1: about that. Comeback.
0: Again, just that one moment at the Emmys is the only time we see Polly G In this entire episode, but that was such a telling moment. It was, and he's all by himself, and he's there, and he looks awkward. So there's definitely curiosity about what's going to happen to him, but it's not a burning curiosity. No, I think that's about it. Of course, I'm with you. I'd love to see what the documentary turned out to be. Yeah, it it would. It would be like fun for them to do like a little follow-up show, the assassination of Valerie Cherish. (sighs) and seeing red I would have liked to see both of those
1: yeah that's something they could do maybe I don't know they could maybe it's in the plans
0: that'd be an awesome like online HBO subscriber bonus yeah would be to get to see those things scenes from
1: the assassination of Valerie Cherish
0: and what's gonna happen to Jane I maybe
1: would have liked to have seen them cut to Jane and Billy like what were they doing when Val you know at the very like at the Emmys
0: oh you mean after that one shot of them where they're like where is she yeah like afterwards, a little conversation, for her. but again,
1: it could have been overkill, you know. Maybe they shot it and it didn't make it in,
0: and they're left there to their own devices with one another. To and Tyler and Tyler, yeah, what's gonna happen with Tyler? Will Tyler become the next Seth Rogen? We also lost Seth Rogen at a certain point, like, we never saw him again, right? We recently watched Neighbors. And Lisa Kudrow has a bit part in that. Yeah, she that does. And that suddenly made me think, oh, I wonder if that's how they met. You know, where she be. met Seth Rogen. She was so
1: different in that role. She's she was so serious.
0: So, so serious. Anyways, that, just, that was just a thought I had about Seth Rogen's involvement. But as we talked about before, too, we know he's been really busy. It was an interesting choice that he didn't come back. And I'm sure it's also... Based on budget and scheduling yeah. and all that kind of stuff. I'm sure they were lucky to get him for that. Yeah. Oh, and that was one of the things that Juna said about seeing Red that I thought was interesting. She said that one of the problems was that Seth Rogen was really good, but he was so likable. Right. And that was one of her issues with seeing Red was that the character of Mitch was likable. And in reality, Polly G was such a so, nightmare. not likable. All right, well, you're all very likable for listening, and thank you for hanging in there with us. We'll be coming back with a new show. Yeah, we will definitely let you know what's coming next. Follow us on Twitter at at Jenmar Films. Or on Facebook at Genmar Films. Uh, And you can email us at genmarfilms at com. Yes. And let us know your thoughts uh, on the finale. We'll let you know what's happening with future podcasts, uh, I hope to finish up with editing season one's episodes, which we are far behind on, even though they are in the can. So keep a look out. So if you're going to go back and rewatch season one, and then maybe rewatch season two, we hope that uh, you'll tune That'll us in. There'll be
1: a webis- I mean, a podcast for everything. That's right, a podcast in every pocket.
0: All right, well, happy new year. Have a great 2015 and thanks for listening. So, it's happy sad. It's happy
2: sad. Oh, cherish the moment. Cherish is the word I use. <laughs> I don't want to see I don't need to, need to see
0: that. I don't want I don't to need, to see that. That. I don't need to.
1: Yeah, I don't-